Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wellington Burns, and my counterpart, Savon Morris, isn't going to be able to be on for the first half of this recording. I'm joined by a special guest, uh, Ethan Lewis, um, a former um, high school classmate of mine, graduated with him. Thanks for being on, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. And um, to, to start it off with some of the topics that we have for this first half um, with with the NFL draft and which team had the most successful draft. Um, you know, there were a couple teams that stood out to me, the, the Ravens and Cowboys. And the Ravens, you know, they address, you know, issues on defense, acquiring Patrick Patrick Queen, I'm a top ranked linebacker with their uh, first round pick. And also Malik Harrison, a linebacker in the third round. Um, but they also bolster their, you know, explosive offense with J.K. Dobbins, um, Devin DuVernay, uh, Tyre um, Phillips, and um, Ben Bredesey in the third and fourth rounds. and you know, they've got a ton of speed at multiple skill positions. Their offensive line has also had impressive additions. And um, heading into this third year with Lamar Jackson, they definitely needed to, to bolster, you know, some of the, the the issues with their defense to kind of get their defense at the same level as their offense. And um, even when you look at Dallas, um, they brought in a lot of a lot of talent with almost every one of their picks. Um, picked up CeeDee Lamb with uh, the 17th pick. And just got a just a slew of offensive playmakers with um, Trevon Diggs, um, Nabil Gallimore and Reggie Robertson the third, but overall in terms of who had which team had the most impressive draft to you, uh, which one kind of like stood out the most? Um, to me, the best draft in my opinion was definitely the Cowboys. Um, they had to replace a lot of players. I I didn't really understand some of the trades they made in the off season, but as soon as they drafted um, Ceedee Lamb. I was like, okay, this team is going to be for real. I was a little confused by the Andy Dalton signing. I didn't think, I mean, yeah. you can do that. I count free agency after um, the draft as how you um, win or lose the draft because if you don't address a player, a player's needs, like say the Patriots, and then you don't go out and sign <laughs> some, someone like the Patriots, it's like, okay, that's interesting. But then, you know, the Cowboys addressed wide receiver. They addressed defense. And they addressed quarterback, which, I mean, it was odd, but they still did. Unlike other teams like yeah. the Patriots or the Jaguars where, you know, they went out there and they were like, eh, we'll, we'll tank for Trevor this year. Let's just draft people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, 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 and it's interesting because, like, when you look at what Dallas had coming off of this season, you know, they, they, they came up short against the Eagles. And it's constantly been this, this like, reoccurring theme with, with Dak and him getting the extension that he wants. And, you know, also building the, the offense, like in the, in the beginning years, you know, it was, you know, Zeke first and then the offense would go after that. But what are kind of your thoughts on just like how they can, can continue to build around the offense? Like, do you think for, like first and foremost, it has to be getting Dak the extension first and then, you know, going from there? Because it seems as though, with like you said, this this draft, they had like a really impressive type of draft. But then they make like a questioning signing in Andy Dalton. But what do you kind of think is kind of like their most pressing need right now going forward before the season begins? The biggest need for them, I would say, is probably getting Dak happy. But yeah. at the same time, you know, you look at Andy Dalton's stats. If you give Andy Dalton the best offensive line in football and one of the best running backs in football, I mean, what can he do? And I think, I don't think Jerry Jones is purposely trying to do it, but I also think Jerry Jones is saying, like, hey, we can, you know, we can win with any average quarterback. I'm not saying Dak is average, but I think that's it was kind of a statement. Like, we're going to sign Andy Dalton. He's going to be your backup. If you don't sign the franchise tender or the franchise tag, he'll be the starter. And yeah. I think I think they can have the same record, especially with the CeeDee Lamb pickup, Amari Cooper. Um, if, Zeke, if Zeke has a good year, the Cowboys will have a good year. That's how I see it. The quarterback play for the Cowboys the past – three years has all depended on Zeke. If Zeke's out, the quarterback struggles. If Zeke's playing well, the quarterback does great because it opens up yeah. the entire field for them. Yeah, definitely. And um, interesting to the Ravens and um, just overall in terms of after this Chiefs Super Bowl win and who, who we think may be like the biggest threat, um, you know, Baltimore, they came off a, a really successful 2019 season um, with Lamar Jackson being the unanimous um, MVP um, but they have the early exit against the Titans in the, in the divisional round. And um, his, his progression to me as a passer 
in this third year is, is going to be huge. And if guys like Patrick uh, Queen and Harrison have a major surge early, we can be looking at a scenario where um, their defense is just as good as their offense. And 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 with what the Chiefs have in the AFC West, um, with Patrick Mahomes being the, um, the one of the most talented passers we've ever seen. How do you see, the, like, who, who do you think is the, kind of like their biggest threat right now? Is it possibly like a another rematch with the 49ers in the Super Bowl or the Saints? Like, like what kind of main team or maybe even in their own conference you would say would be their uh, biggest threat going into the next season? Well, I definitely think they have a challenge in the AFC West. Um, I think the biggest winner of the draft was the Denver Broncos. Um, the Denver Broncos have not been a threat since Peyton Manning. Um, they haven't found yeah. that guy, but I do like Locke. I don't think he's given enough time. Uh, I think a lot of rookie QBs and younger guys don't get credit there. You know, they may play one season and people already give up on him. I really like his arm and his potential. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he didn't throw many picks. He didn't turn the ball over a lot. He kept it simple. Um, injuries plagued him. But picking up a bunch of wide receivers for him, including Jerry Judy, that to me, I was like, oh, watch out. Because I think Nick Wright made the statement um, about the Broncos having the best wide receiver core outside of the Chiefs in the AFC West. Drew Locke has, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, just as good as arm as Patrick Mahomes. He's not as mobile as Mahomes, but his arm is pretty strong. He's got a great arm. And you're playing in that thin air up in Denver. Their their schedule's not that hard, so I would say the biggest mm-hmm. their biggest threat inside their own division is going to be the Broncos. Now, granted, coaching is going to matter. If I mean, we all know how that works. <laughs> if yeah, um, in the AFC, I would just say it's the same thing. It's going to be the Ravens and the Titans. Um, New England's no longer a yeah. threat. Um, a sleeper team, in my opinion, is definitely going to be the Packers. I I believe there's drama up there and I believe there's tension, but I still think it's it's yeah, still I mean, Aaron it's, it's still Aaron Rodgers. Definitely Yeah, definitely. I mean, cuz like with, with you know and, and my co-host Savon, he's a big Packers fan and with the Jordan Love signing, like he kind of felt as though like it was extremely early for them to take a quarterback and Brett Favre he even said in an interview that he thinks Rodgers is going to end up doing what he did and go to another team before he retires. Like do you kind of feel as though that tension is going to like maybe you know, re-motivate Rodgers to even have like a better season or like kind of how, how do you see that like situation playing out? Because, you know, he seems like from what Jordan Love is saying, he seems willing to like mentor him, but others kind of see it as one of those things where Rodgers just feels overall disrespected. It can, it's going to go two ways and it's only going to go two ways. There's only going to be two options for this. The Packers are either going to go off. Aaron Rodgers is going to have an MVP season like he did. Um, I think he threw for 36 touchdowns and like three picks that went, I think it was 2012, 2013. He's either going to have yeah. a year like that where he is just incredible or we're going to see the type of team player he is. And, you know, a lot of people criticize him and say he's not a team player and he proves all the haters wrong and he just gives up. Like, you know, he's like, you guys want Jordan Love? Fine. Play Jordan Love. I want to trade mm-hmm. I think those are the only two options. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to go out there and play horribly. It's it, like I said, it's still Aaron Rodgers. The only thing preventing anything from happening is an injury. Yeah, definitely. And and, and it's 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 definitely one of those things where, like you said, there's only two scenarios in terms of um in terms of that situation. Um, were there like dealing with the other teams like the Saints, the 49ers, and then when you're including in Tampa Bay with 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 Brady and, and the additions that they're making like what are kind of your overall thoughts on the top tier of the nfc and how that kind of stacks up because you know the saints they bring in uh emmanuel sanders they get malcolm jenkins at at safety to shore up on that side of the ball um what have kind of been your overall thoughts on the top tier of the nfc and who may be be the one to kind of spearhead um being the top player in, in that conference i Personally, I'm not a believer in the Saints. I never have been. I never will be. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it just once you get to a certain point and you can't get over the hump, I don't think weapons. They never on get over the hump. I mean, it's one of those things where even last year against Minnesota, they they, they have home field advantage. Kirk Cousins has an has an amazing game. 
even 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 the the Rams lost. I mean, that was the one loss where they just got hosed by the officials. But there have been so many times where they've had a great record, but just haven't been able to get over the hump. Well, a lot of people don't like my opinion on this, but they didn't get ruined by the officials. I mean, they they lost a chance to seal. They the got game. a chance in overtime, right? And Drew Brees still threw a pick. And I tell people that all the time. Yeah. And of course, the people who hate that I say that is Saints fans. But I look at them and I'm just like, you got to deal with the fact that Drew Brees threw a threw a pick in overtime. Exactly. I, I, like, I'm sorry that he did that, but y'all got the ball to start overtime. That's what I tell all this, all yeah. the Saints fans. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, we wouldn't have been in that situation. Well, you were, and you still had a chance to win the game. Um, as far as the 49ers go, I really don't know. I mean, I do believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is a game manager quarterback. I don't think he is as elite as people think he is. I, I still think he's a top right. 10 quarterback, but I think he's 9 or 10, kind of like Alex Smith was when he was with the Chiefs before they got rid of him for Patrick Mahomes. You know, 10 and yeah. 6, win the West, throw for 3,800 yards. Consistent, to, consistent, but not great. Right. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo is, in my opinion. I think in the NFC, I my pick is obviously going to be the Bucks. I'm a little biased, but... The Bucks, they had 30, inter- Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions last year. And the yeah. Bucks were still ranked 15th on defense. You're ranked 15th on defense when 30 times, twice a game, your quarterback gives it to the other team, most likely in horrible field, per- field, um, horrible field position. You know, maybe yeah. your own 20, he throws a pick. To me, Brady's not going to throw more than 15. He hasn't thrown more than 15 in his career. So, you know, you take away half the interceptions, you add in another 10 touchdowns. I mean, they lost a couple close games last year. What close games did they lose last year that, you know, Tom Brady's going to be like, okay, we're not losing this game. So in my opinion, I, I, the Super Bowl is in Tampa too. I just, there's just so much about Tom Brady and I am biased, but to me, you can't, like, you just can't deny like how great he is and how much he's going to affect that team. And bringing in Gronkowski, a lot of people didn't like the Gronkowski um, trade because he didn't, you know, oh, he took a year off. Yeah, he took a year off and he didn't do anything. Like, what what did he do wrong? To me, O.J. Howard, he's going to be the passing target. I think Brady wants Gronk in there to people talk about that offensive line. It's going to be like 2012 Patriots where Aaron Hernandez is on one side and Gronk is on the other. Aaron Hernandez was the target or excuse me, Aaron Hernandez was the blocker blocker that year. Um, and Gronk was the go-to. That was the year Gronk broke all the records. I think yeah. that's what happens this year is Gronk is the best blocking tight end I've ever seen. And, you know, maybe a couple times a little play action and he'll release. But, you know, I don't expect him to, you know, be anything amazing. I expect him to block hard, get O.J. Howard open, get the running game going. And, I mean, once if they get the running game going in Tampa Bay, the rest of the league is screwed because then Mike Evans yeah. is open. Godwin's open. That defense can, that defense could give up 400 yards a game. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and, and the thing like with, with Brady last year, he, he didn't have the multitude of weapons that he, that he, that he usually would have, even though they were, they were still a really good team. It was, it was mainly Edelman as his like number one option and going to Tampa Bay, he's going to have like a ton of more options at his disposal but do you th- do you think at forty two it's one of those things where until we see like a a, a major decline, you just still have to trust that he's going to be the top five uh, level quarterback that he that he's always been? Because some would say maybe there's going to be a decline, but he wants to play till he's forty five, and it seems as though there's really not there hasn't been like a real slippage because every year he's able to position him his team into the postseason. Yeah, I really don't see a position where they're not at least in the playoffs. Um, right. Again, they're my pick to go to the Super Bowl, just with that chip on his shoulder. Um, I I personally don't think he's in decline. I think you know injuries, injuries to the offense. David Andrews went down. Um, Shaq Mason went down. So your offensive line's horrible. You lose Gronk. You lose um, Amendola. You lose Chris Hogan. You lose all these guys. Your number one target was a quarterback in college, and everyone knows what he does. He's just going to run up the middle. And Brady's right. going to hit him. So, you know, when they take away that and they put, you know, a cover three out and they take away the middle, 
and they take Edelman away, who was he throwing to last year? And he still threw for 24 touchdowns, uh, seven picks. That's to me, that's not a horrible year, especially when the touchdown leader only threw 33 touchdowns. I mean, mm-hmm. if you can't put points on the board, you're not going to win. Their defense did win them a lot of games, but Brady still had a major part in that. You know, Brady's not going out and throwing, you know, 24 touchdowns and 15 picks. It, it was still a three to one, four to one touchdown ratio. So to me, you know, like I said, if you take away 15 picks for, from Jameis last year, say he throws 15 this year, which at beat right. one a game, he throws one a game. That's not too bad. But you add the fact that he has a three to one touchdown ratio. That means he throws 45 touchdowns. So, you know, until I see him, you know, either go down with an injury or have a horrible year by quarterback standards, you know, fall out of the top 10 in quarterbacks in the league, I'm not going to believe anything anyone says. You know, I still have faith in him. Yeah. It's the same thing with Big Ben. A lot of people have written Big Ben off and I'm just like, he was hurt, you know? The Steelers, that's another team. That's mm-hmm. that's another team for the Chiefs. They yeah, that's another team that can be a threat. Yeah. You know, everyone talks about, oh, the Ravens are going to win that AFC North. I mean, Big Ben coming back, they went, I, what'd they go, 8-8? Eight and eight? They barely missed the wild yeah, card. I, I can't even tell you who their quarterback's name was. I can't either. I think it was Mason Rudolph. But Mason Rudolph got hurt, I think, and benched. And yeah. that other guy came in and finished the season, I think. Yeah, the, the third string grade. Yeah, and they still and yeah. you they and, still and, almost I mean, made the playoffs. Devin, I think I think it was Devin Hodges. Yeah, th- there it is, Devin. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, and and, and, and I mean, th- th- there's definitely going to be um, more threats. But before we get to our to our uh, next segment, as a big time Patriots fan, are you just gonna hold up, hold up the banner, tank for Trevor? Like, like what what's kind of your your mindset with the Patriots season? Because now it's Belichick being the mastermind by himself without Brady and. It's going to be an interesting year because they're they're confident in Jared Stidham, but obviously 2021, you've got Trevor Lawrence available. So Jared Stidham has thrown four career NFL passes, and this is what I don't understand. Yeah. Two of them are pick sixes. The other two are incompletions. Yeah. He's 0 for 4 in his career. So for me to hear Belichick go, he's our guy, I'm confident, in the back of my mind, I'm like, there is no way. This guy wants Trevor Lawrence, no Justin Fields, one of those two guys. People got to remember Justin Fields is going to come out of the draft next year, too, and he's not a bad quarterback either. The big thing for me is how you know that we're, the Patriots are in tank for Trevor mode is you look at the draft picks. We traded out of the first round for a draft pick next year. We traded out of the third round for a draft pick next year. We traded out of the fourth round for a draft pick next year. Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski will get – um compensated picks for them that's five picks already for next year then you add in the seven rounds that's 12 picks Kyle Van Noy left and Alandon Roberts left both of them were restricted so we'll get a pick for those two now we're up to 14 picks if the Patriots go six and ten and say just let's just say Tua doesn't start I I know there's a lot of debate on Mm -hmm. whether or not he'll start let's just say Tua doesn't really play much except towards the end of the season they go four and 12 and they have the number one pick or, yeah. you know, the Browns. So it's just some team that has a quarterback. If mm-hmm. Bill Belichick goes to them and says, Hey, I have the number six pick and here's four more draft picks. Oh, and we'll give you next year's first round pick too. Let's make it five draft picks. You know, you got to think 2022, yeah. we don't know who's coming out in 2022. We haven't, you know, will we see college football this season? Bo Nix. That's another right. one. Bo Nix will be a junior after this year. Bo Nix is another top recruit or top prospect for the following year. So the Patriots can go to whoever has the number one or number two pick and say, here's five picks. Here's Jared Stidham. You know what? We'll throw Julian Edelman in there too. And they can just say, take it. We don't want it. We want Trevor Lawrence. No GM in the NFL is saying no to that trade. And I'm tired of hearing people say that it's not going to happen because when it does happen, I don't want to hear anyone complaining or anything i just want to see the bill belichick meme of him sipping his orange juice because i'm i i think the patriots you're right i think we're in full tank mode no matter what and i'm a firm believer in that and i'm all aboard it i i can i can handle going three and 13 four and 12 five and 11 this season to get trevor lawrence to get trevor lawrence i'll take it 
I'll take one bad year to get possibly the best prospect we've seen since Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton Manning, John Elway, yeah. that's what people are comparing this kid to. Like, he's 6'5", he's got a great arm, you know. If Joe Burrow was the number one pick, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, all these guys who, you know, and they're doing great in the league. Joe Burrow, we have yet to see, but Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, they're not doing that. What's what's this guy that fits everyone's expectations going to do? Yeah, definitely. It it, it it makes all the sense in the world to, to, to lead up to that kind of a season where, like you said, this season, it may be a 4-12 season. But next year, I mean, 2021, you get Trevor Lawrence. There's no way you can um, pass up on that. Um, transitioning to the, the last dance and, and the episode uh, five and six this past Sunday, um, you know, in the beginning of episode five, they cover uh, the night eight all-star game in New York. And it was uh, Kobe's first all-star appearance uh, c- c- contrasted with, with what was expected to be Jordan's last. And, you know, they were both just their own highlight reel in that game. And they had an extremely close relationship with, but there were, you know, so many things Kobe uh, turned to MJ for when it came to advice on certain things. Um, whether it be, you know, turnaround jumpers or certain nuances of the game. And Kobe in the doc said, quote, I don't get five championships here without him because he guided me so much and gave me so much great advice, end quote. Um, but what were your thoughts just overall on the similarities between them and the knowledge MJ was willing to give to him at any time? Because, you know, Kobe, he emulated Michael so much, like he, he wanted to be everything that Mike was. And it really seemed as though my, MJ was just willing to give that advice to him at any time. And you know, really lead him kind of as a, as an older brother. Well, a lot of, you know, you know this just because you grew up with me, but I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. And I think the biggest thing for me was he was able to break through to the NBA and he already had the characteristics and the qualities that Michael Jordan had. And so to me, I think Jordan saw that and was like, well, man, I love this kid. I, I want this kid to be great. I want this kid to, you know, continue my legacy because I think Michael Jordan sat down and was like, man, if this kid wins four or five rings or even two or three rings, he's in the back of his mind going, man, I taught him a lot. You know, Michael Jordan's probably thinking like, I'm still going to get credit for this. And I mean, you get that with a lot of players that, you know, came out in that, um, in that Kobe Bryant era because a lot of players, Penny Hardaway, um, Allen Iverson, those guys, they all watched Michael. So I think when he saw Kobe, he was like, this 19-year-old kid's out here kicking our butts. You know, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, why not take him under my wing? Yeah. And I think a lot of players yeah. um, nowadays are doing the same thing with LeBron. You see LeBron taking a lot of Ben Simmons under his wing. Um, His own son is going to be in the league here, most likely. Yeah. Soon. So I think you can see a lot of similarities in their game as well, just because they also, you know, played each other while Kobe was young. You know, Jordan's on the end of his career. Exactly. Kobe's just starting his career. The, the famous picture of them both, you know, you know, jersey in the mouth. He's looking at Michael. I think someone has it mic'd up where he's like, when you go to your fadeaway, how do you create separation? And Jordan's like, you got to kick your leg out. And now you have, exactly, it's, yeah. it's not even the Jordan fadeaway. That's what's so frustrating. People, you turn around it's, and you hit a fadeaway and pick up, you say Kobe. You don't even say Jordan. Kobe. <laughs> now, granted, you know, Kobe, tragically, he did pass away. But it like, I did it before he yeah. passed away. And it's amazing because yeah. that that shot, although. Any was, kid in, in any gym is going to say Kobe. They're right. not going to say MJ. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, 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 and in episode five, you know, there was also the moment in, you know, the 1992 Olympics with um, Jordan and Pippen going at um, Tony, um, Tony Kukoc. And one of the main reasons was because of, um, you know, how much Jerry Krause liked him, elevated him too soon. And Jordan did the same thing in the, in the 93 finals with um, uh, Dan Marley as, you know, Jerry believed he was a, a great defender, but, you know, Mike just exposed him. And just the, the, uh, disdain and, and uh, MJ and Pippen had for Krauss, which is super high. Um, wh- like, what were your thoughts on on the rest of the episode? Whether it be like the '92 Olympics and, and Jordan's and and Magic's kind of rivalry, or or maybe even with um with Jordan and Pippen and what they did uh, to kind of like expose somebody that Krauss elevated at, as they saw maybe probably too soon. To me, um, that those examples are exactly why 
Jordan and Kobe are my goats. Those are it's one A one B because of things like that. If someone came out, you got Nick Wright. Nick Wright, we all know and love. He loves LeBron. You got Skip Bayless, who doesn't like LeBron. Skip Bayless would come out and say, you know, LeBron played terrible. He'd attack him. You don't really see LeBron go out the next night and just go off. But I would tell you right now, if Nick Wright today went on social media and said, man, LeBron can't hold Jordan or KD can't or Jordan, my bad, MJ can't hold LeBron or MJ can't Mm -hmm. hold Kawhi. Jordan's going to see that. He's going to put his phone down. He's going to go straight to the gym and he's going to go bet. You know, <laughs> he yeah he isn't yeah. going to let anything. He's going to respond. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest difference between him and LeBron and Kobe and LeBron. I mean, Kobe, I think a lot of people are like, well, what if Jordan grew up in the social media era? Well, we had Kobe and Kobe did exactly what Jordan did. You heard someone say bad things about him. He went off. I'll never forget 2011 playoffs. Um, the game before they got eliminated by the Mavericks, before the series before they were playing the Hornets when he dunked on Okafor. Yeah. The game where he dunked on Okafor, the night before Skip Bayless criticized Kobe. After the game, yeah, I remember that. a lot of people were like, oh, Kobe, you know, they may be going for a three. That was when everyone was like, they were going through for a three-peat. The Mavericks obviously mm-hmm. upset them. But, you know, that's another example of just attacking someone and they respond. Um, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. really see that in a lot of NBA players today. Personally, I think a lot of NBA players today are softer than the players back then. But at the same time, um, it was the competitive edge. I mean, we've never, like, we've never to, seen competitive today's like players. Today's players, they would respond back on social media or just like go on a a tirade on 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 it on an IG story. It's just like with it with the the era that mj was in it was all about the response for the next game like even in game two of the of the Knicks series when when the gambling you know speculation and and, and him gambling with his dad after the, the game two of uh the 92 uh, 93 Knicks series like he responded back in game three with the vintage performance and that was just his way of doing it it was never going back with the media because for oh. 10 days he had like no I'm I'm a, I'm a truther. I'm a, I'm a true. I'm a big fan of the truth. A lot of that. Yeah. The Jordan documentary does not do Game Three justice. Jordan finished that game three okay. of eighteen with twenty six points, I believe. Game Four was the game he went off. But a lot of people are like, "Oh man, yeah. Game Three game he must four. have went off." Game Four is when he went off. I only know this because Nick Wright went off about it the other day on TV, and I was like, <laughs> "Man, I gotta do my research." And I did my research, and I was like, "Oh, he's right, Jordan." Jordan stumped yeah. up that game. But yeah. I think Yeah, definitely. I think Jerry Krause and the just the disdain that they had for him. It first off, it's incredible that they had that much hate for that man. You know, he put together a great team. He put yeah. together a great organization. But the fact that he wouldn't pay them he Jerry Krause, I hate to say this, he had a Billichek type mindset where it was like, you know what? I don't have to pay you. I can trade you and get someone else. Yeah. I think if he was, I, I personally think the reason he liked Kukoc so much is because he thought he could replace Pippen with Kukoc, but then Pippen signed that deal. And I think Kraus had something to do with him staying over in Croatia. Honestly, I, no one really knows why he stayed back then. You know, nowadays, you know, Luca, he got drafted, you know, he immediately came over, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays players immediately come over. So, yeah. so why did he stay? I think a lot of that had to do with the tension that was in the team. And then you saw the tension. <laughs> Poor Tony Kukos doesn't know why everyone hates him. And he goes out there and he gets shut down because Pippen's so mad yeah. that he, and, and that's why I think that because Pippen was so mad about it. He took it personally. I think that's why, you know, it came out that way. I think Kraus had a plan um, to replace Pippen in my opinion. Um, and the same thing with Dan Marley. Dan Marley, I mean, just the fact that he he praised him. I did a little research, and, you know, there's just a simple article. They interview him. They're like, who's going to give y'all the most trouble? And he said, Dan Marley's a pest on defense. That's all he said. He just said he was a good defensive player. Yeah. And Michael's like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, I'll show you how good a defense is. <laughs> all right, <man. laughs> And now in that finals yeah. where Dan Marley guarded him is the record for most points in a finals. Jordan's like, okay, cool. Yes. Let me, let me break some records while I'm out here. 
He averaged like 41 in that series, right? I believe it's like 43 points, eight assist, eight rebounds, and like six assists. Like he, he on 51% shooting. Wow. Yeah, he, he, he completely went off in that series. And um, in episode six for um, the 93 season, all of the, you know, media attention, publicity, and uh, scrutiny was just reaching a climax. And, you know, there were the, the rumors about his associations with, with gamblers, and but Jordan constantly alluded to just how he felt mentally and physically uh, worn down that year as they were tr- trying to get a three-peat. And uh, John Paxson, who had the clinching shot against the Sun, said, quote, there was more relief than pure jo- joy. He was tired, end quote. And, um, you know, they trailed 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Knicks. Um, and that team had the, the same ferocity and physical toughness, toughness as the Pistons. And the Bulls came back to win four straight. And um, the, the Bulls and Suns, they had a triple overtime game. Um, and this was the third one for their uh, first three-peat. And it, it's one of those seasons where, you know, the accomplishment, it was just the hardest that had happened in that three-year, that first three-year run. But what do you think was the biggest drain for this 93 season for MJ as it was the, the last one before he made his um, one-year retirement? I think a lot of people don't understand how the NBA season works. I think we do personally, just because, you know, we study the game, we watch the game. People got to understand yeah. the 1992 Summer Olympics. The Olympics happened in July. So yeah. you go from having the 91-92 season, you start in Oct- late October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Eight months of basketball. Then they go to Barcelona for a month. That's nine. Then in August, you're back in training camp. Ten. Then in September, you have preseason. Eleven. October through June, that's another eight. That's 19 straight months of basketball. 20 months straight of basketball. Where, you know, he probably didn't take... We know Michael Jordan. He probably didn't take many days off. I think that on top of the whole quote-unquote gambling issue was a big drainer on him with the fact that, you know, why don't we see players in today's game play in the Olympics? Um, LeBron after 2016, why didn't he play in the Olympics? Well, he just won a, you know, they just came back three, one. And, you know, that's a tough season. That's a long season to go games. He went, I think he went game seven twice in the playoffs and then he went game seven in the finals to go game sevens that many times, you know, it's going to take a toll on you. And LeBron dropped out and everyone's like, oh, you know, why'd LeBron drop out? Well, you got to understand, he's already played nine months straight of basketball. You're asking exactly. him to play a whole another month. That's that's grueling. <laughs> there was no way he was going to be in that Olympics after uh, the, the comeback that they made. Like, it's just the, the NBA season is just completely different um, in terms of just the grind of it. But um, looking forward to the, the last four episodes um, before we close the first half, um, what, what is the, the thing you're looking forward to the most in terms of just anything else that, that you want to do, that you want to see from the rest of this documentary? Cause you know, they're, they're about to, they were in the covering the 98 playoffs in the last episode. Um, they're going to get into, uh, the, the one year retirement, things of that nature. But for these last four episodes, what, what's like one thing you're kind of looking forward to the most as this documentary is, uh, coming to a close. The biggest thing I'm looking forward to is definitely um, someone released an article. I want to say it was NBC sports. They released an article today and they said that you're going to see what it was like to play with and against Michael Jordan in episodes, um, seven and eight, you're going to get up close. Um, I do know that the Steve Kerr incident is in episode yeah. seven. That's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. A lot of people don't realize, but the whole Steve Kerr incident, Steve Kerr provoked Jordan, you know, there was a hard foul. I believe this is how the story goes from MJ's version. And Kerr has even, you know, said that he agreed. There was a hard foul. Jordan said some names. We won't say the names. Um, <laughs> Kerr pushed him, and then Jordan punched him in the face. I mean, for you yeah. to just punch a teammate in the face, I mean, y- you've known me since, you know, we were in middle school and elementary school. I'm yeah, a pretty competitive elementary. dude. I'm not going to punch a teammate in the I'm face. Not gonna punch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's and, not going to go that far. <laughs> and just the trash talk, you know, I think. You know, Dominique Wilkins has said that pregame Jordan walked in the locker room once and said, it's going to be a long day for y'all. And then he went out and dropped like 48, you know, just, just how competitive he was and how confident he was. I'm excited. We get to see that. I think episodes seven and eight, seeing the beginning of the playoffs and his comeback from baseball and seeing how great he really was on and off the court as a leader. 
I think it's mm-hmm. going to, again, I think it's going to seal the deal. A lot of kids are going to look at it and they're going to go, man, Jordan was something else. You know, we, <laughs> we, we all know the famous video of Kobe walking out of practice, cussing Jeremy Lin out. That's what yeah. we're going to see this weekend. And I'm excited. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so hyped for it. I'm ready. That episode seven is going to, episode seven, eight, eight it's, it's really going to be crazy. Cause like you said, the, the competitive side, the teammate side of Jordan is really going to come out on um, full force. Oh yeah. I, and that I'm, I'm so excited for it. I can't wait to see it. Definitely. Well, um, that wraps it up for our first half. Ethan, thank you for being on. Um, it, 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 it took way too long to get you on, but thanks for being on for this one, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, man. Well, that wraps it up for the first half. Me and Savon are going to be back for the second. See you then. Welcome back to the show. We're getting into the second half of this episode, and my co-host Savon Morris is back on. How's it going, man? Whoop-de-whoop, I'm back. Well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Excited to get into these last two topics. And um, to start it off with Drake's um, Dark Lane uh, demo tapes, um, it was a 14-track mixtape release uh, last Thursday night. And, you know, it's just got the demos from his past, some that have um, already been leaked. I mean, there were a lot of leaked tracks that were uh, going out um, the last couple of months. But, you know, his precise delivery and, you know, arena-sized hooks um, were just put on display and highlighted. And um, this is the preface to his uh, Summer 6 Studio album that's going to be coming out. Um, the the format was different. You know, had recent snippets with uh, formalized one-offs and different collaborations. Um, but it just being like extremely stylish, um, a tune-up um, for his um, sixth project. And, you know, the openers that Drake has on a multitude of projects, um, whether it be Tuscan Leather or, yes. um, you know, Fireworks, um, Legend, j- just just intros that are toned. Yeah, yeah, intros that are just tone setters for his projects. And he had a- another one um, in the opener, Deep Pockets. And um, just the ambiance and the vibe of, of, of the song, you know, really slow moving. Um, and he's um, really at a lyrical center, at an ideological center. And um, one of the quotes that, you know, w- one of the lyrics stood out to me was um, when he said, minding my business, building a business, et cetera inspired by a few, but my mind really drives itself like Tesla. I always had a little something extra back when Corey was our sole investor and the car could, could get from A to B, we won't impress you, end quote. And this track is just really focused on his come up and highlighting the success he once dreamed of um, that he's now experiencing and um, him still remaining loyal to those who are with him from the jump. Um, but just a, a, a month away or maybe a couple months away from his next project and the surprise of this one, um, because right. he's always just he's he's always being active. He, he dropped when to say when Chicago freestyle, always dropping snippets um to 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 stay in the listener's ear and, and to stay um um just active. What were your thoughts on on this project and the surprise of it with his um next project about to come out? First reaction before I knew it was a mixtape, I thought it was an album. I was like, oh, yeah. so he's going to like sneak it on us because. <laughs> We've all been waiting for, we've been waiting for a lot of artists, but Drake has been the number one artist. We've been waiting for him to drop another album since Scorpion. And uh, he's been talking about it, talking about it. So when he, when I seen this on IG, on Word on Road, uh, the fan the fan base uh, Instagram account, I was like, oh, whoa, okay. okay yeah. I, I got to go listen. I got to listen. He dropped <laughs> it like at like 12, one, one o'clock in the morning. And I started mm-hmm. listening. The first song, of course, is Deep Pocket. And I'm like. Dressed in fatigues, I rep the east with my trustees, smoking on crushed leaves. They turn it back on everything we built and they must bleed. I've seen splatter hit the snow and the blood freeze. Scraps over territory, they know we must keep. Get home and white air forces get brushed clean. Back when my mama would interrupt sleep to tell me hurry up as the bus leaves. Summertime heat waves, I used to just cut sleeves. My shorty really love me, man, she want me to cut keys. Goodness, oh man! And like you said, man, you gotta Drake take a is, moment. You gotta take a moment. Yeah. That, that, that those first ten seconds, I'm. I gotta pause. I gotta take a moment. I literally stopped the whole entire project after I heard <laughs> Deep Pockets, and I was like, I gotta wait till the morning to listen to this because <laughs> I knew it's gonna get more. It's gonna get more crazy, and I knew I was so yeah. tired. So I was like, I don't want to listen to it. And like, I want to listen to it like clear eyed ears not ringing from doing music i want to hear it's true value so i listened exactly. to the next morning Shh, even better man deep pockets really yeah. is like a strategic song because it takes you all the way through him being young 
mom, uh, I think he said, uh, back when my mama would interrupt sleep to tell me, hurry up because the bus leaves. Yeah. Like, you know, just like give you little nuggets of, because we all know a little, you know, background story about drinking is, you know, childhood and being on the grass and stuff like that. But just to let you know that I'm still human. I still go through the same things you guys went through. So it's just it's, like that. It's the human another, element. It's yeah. the human element that he always tries to drop in. in certain yeah, and I, yeah, it's most definitely. And the transparency always gives us sense forever since he, he said I, I made uh, hits or whatever by uh, – just telling my story, really. Like, I've never yeah. been the guy who sugarcoat anything. I gave it to you. Like, we know all about his girlfriends and past relationships mm-hmm. and him being sued. So this project really just let me know the album is going to be crazy. Because I thought Say When and um, Chicago, Chicago Freestyle. Freestyle was going to be on the album. So when he dropped it here, I was like, oh, it's going to be crazy. He's got stuff that he hasn't even leaked yet. <laughs> leaked yet. So I'm thinking like, okay, these are the two songs that's going to be on his album. That's why he didn't drop them on anything else. He just dropped mm-hmm. them on SoundCloud. So he's just giving us a taste. No, these songs are not going to be on his album. He dropped it here. So it just makes yeah. me like, gives you that energy. Like, okay, this album is going to be even crazier. Sheesh. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And um, and, and as we were talking about, you know, he, he has the relationship tracks and, he, and he's got the song um, Time Flies and it, it's it's got, you know, a, a fast paced hi hat and a soft uh, synthesizer in the background. Um, and he says, um, quote, way that I've been living unconventional. I'm just trying to make it to the end. You know, certain things just started getting tenser. Think think we need to have us an adventure. I could be your man, but maybe down the road. Right now, I'd rather see my heart turn to chrome. Living unconventional. I'm just trying to make it to the end, you know. Certain things have started getting tense. Oh, think we need to have a sun adventure. I could be a man, but maybe down the road. Right now, I'd rather see my heart turn to chrome. Rather see my. And this mixtape was heavy on reflection, and as it's as he always has those things, you know, kind of submerged into his projects. Um, like outside of the of the lyrical. Um, tracks and the ones that that were more heavy laced. Um, what what kind of what, what track just kind of like stood out to you? Because I mean, like the one with Chris Brown, like that was a really good one as well. Yep. Um, yep. I, like I, outside of the lyrical tracks, like the when the, when to say wins, the losses, the deep pockets. What was one that that kind of um, stood out to you um, in terms of what he was trying to convey in this project? You really took out. <laughs> you really took out the the couple of the best ones. Those were the know. best. Those were the best ones. Yeah. The, 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 those really were the best ones. But but he's always going to give you the other side. Cause like you look at the last few demons in war, like we, we never have like the UK side. He's always giving you something else. And you know, some people, some people don't like that side, but at, at the, at the same time, you're always going to get different sides of, of his projects. Right. And that, that's why, I, that's why I knew it wasn't, um, an album because you look at, um, Oh my gosh. The other one, um, take, not take care of more life. He had so many yeah. UK, you know, UK rappers and different things like that, elements and different songs. I know we never made the album. That's why you said it's a playlist. This is definitely a mixtape. But the song that really stood out, I think it was uh, from If It's Not One of Those Bangers and Good Songs. I mean, hey, honestly, Florida. you know what? Honestly, like, let, let's just include everything, including well, every, everything, like, in terms of just, like, what was kind of, like, the, the definitive, like, signifying track of, of this project. Uh, okay, I'll answer that question, and I'll 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 stick to you know the the criteria. I mean, it's from Florida with love because he's yeah. he's talked about getting uh you know held at gunpoint before, and um, nothing was the same. You know, I think it was a three or five to my city. Um, he yeah. talked about it a lot, but he kind of like shine light yeah. more of you know being you know gun to his face, trying to you know rob him or whatever, whatever. Hey, hey. Writing this from Florida with love. When I link with Mexico, I knew I found a plug. Rest in peace, static yelling, shorty, wanna thug. Ay, bottles in the club, ay, know I love the touch. Weezy from a fish head, me and Kobe on the bus. When it got a chain for me, I had to give it up. Sigging, had they pistols loaded, pointed in my trucks. Ay, and you know that lesson stuck. From that day, I never touched a road without a plug. And then now that's why he has heavy security. So he's always giving you that side, like, man, this life is crazy. But just yeah. know that I, you, you might get me once, but you're not going to get me again. Just like he said um, in uh, Life is Good, he was like, okay, I got, I, I took an L one time, so what? Like, okay, yeah. so, but you're not going to ever get that again. <laughs> so what? Like he, it's like, I think it's like warning shots. Like he always had that side of him. 
he didn't try to prove himself, but he letting people know you. I mean, I still fall, but you're not going to get me again. He said it in a yeah. song. He was like, "Yeah, you never catch me slipping again," or something like that. But far from, I mean, from Florida with love, I really because when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, you talk about Florida, you might want to be <laughs> Drake because you come to Florida all the time. You come to Miami all the time. All you better, the time. <laughs> you better, you better chill out, Drake." But no, nah, but I understood where he was coming from. But outside of that, like. Desires was a really good track. Uh yeah. not not um not you two really kind of like gave the authentic Drake and then Chris yeah. Brown's, you know, ad libs and just like melodic sound just really kind of enhanced it. Cause yeah. I mean, I listen to that song now more because it's him talking about love, man. I love hearing songs about love. And Drake, Drake is not the best singer, but he has right. those pitches and he, he stays in his element. His element is different from any other rapper, any other artist. So that's why when he sings, it's not like the best singer, but it really gets you involved. It really gets you engaged to what he's talking yeah. about. But yeah, um, probably not you too. Probably desires. Pain 1993. Re- I really didn't like that. It was okay. It was Playboy okay. Cardi. <laughs> I like Playboy Cardi. I like Playboy Cardi. I just really? didn't like Drake. I, yeah, I like Playboy Cardi. Yeah, no, no, no. Seriously, I do like Playboy Cardi. But when I, I like, I like Drake's lyrics. There's a lot of people just, didn't. A lot of people didn't like how 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 like his sounded on this. They liked how, no. like what Drake did on it, but they were like Playboy Cardi. Like, man, he didn't show up for that one. He didn't show up for that one. It was his style though. This that yeah. whole song was Playboy Cardi style. So Drake kind of pandered it, to that. It was it was kind of yeah. Drake was kind of pandering to what Playboy Cardi style was for that one because he because because that was kind of a sound that is not one that Drake usually uses. True, and it's crazy though. Drake can use any style and still kind of show other, the other person up. Yeah, and it, I think that's so crazy. Like that's not even Drake's style, but he, like his lyrics was like crazy. Like he had he- mm-hmm. heck heavy bars in that. Heavy lyrics. But it just wasn't like his authentic authentic self. He would just say, like, oh, I could do this too. Like, okay, let me get Playboy <laughs> Cardi on the song. That's another thing I can do. <laughs> and I know the young kid's gonna listen to it because it play it's Playboy Cardi, and he has like a big yeah. fan base and people love his style, but still, like, I'm gonna show you why I'm the best. And uh I'll put some ice on her hand, let her take an event. Was going as planned, mm-hmm. put the it was just like subtle, like subtle bars. It wasn't yeah. like, it was just, you know, lyrical. It wasn't like heavy bar heavy. Cause I think Drake really, when Drake first came in, he was so, he was so bar heavy. Like he had, um, like you could smell defeat in the air, like just like lyrical bars, just like that. That was off, uh, fireworks. And, uh, now he's just more lyrical and strategic and subtle with his, with his, you know, with his puns and with his, with his lyrics. But, uh, yeah, yeah he really, he can pan to the east side. It's nothing Drake can't do, man. Can't do. It, it's nothing Drake can't do. And, and that's and that's one of the main things because um another aspect of this project was you know him just not relying on one producer to develop the sound. You know, forty he was responsible for two songs. Um, Noel Catastri, a longtime um assistant and engineer, produced three. And there's um you know as we're talking about the contemporary sound he brings in with uh, Pierre Bourne featuring a Playboy Cardi in Pain 1993. And um, Southside, who produced uh, D4L with Future and uh, Young Thug, but the producer who may have had, you know, the breakout contribution was was Oz, the um, Turkish uh, Swiss producer who um, had two C slide, Time Flies and Losses. Um, but but just the aesthetic Drake likes to have, you know, that he still was able to fit within that. Um, but out of these producers and some of the songs they were responsible for, uh, which which a producer like out of the songs that that they had listed kind of had like the the most impactful imprint on this project because as we're saying like drake can delve into anything and and that and this project really really show that as it does with um his past ones probably the the guy from what you said is australia uh, austria yeah. uh, is it which uh, one is uh, it? um Tur- turkish swiss producer turkish swiss i, I said austria yeah. and australia <laughs> goes to show you how <laughs> good i listen but no um i don't I never heard of him before this, but that's what I love about Drake. He's he's always trying to put people on. He put a lot of people on. A lot of people didn't know about Little Baby until Drake had a song. With a lot of people didn't know about uh, Block Boy JB until he had shoot the the after the shoot song. Uh, whatever, what a time to be. A, what uh, I forgot what song that was, but no, um, Tom flies was definitely a, a song because that song he released on his Instagram to tell people that. 
the he dropped. Was he, out. He, yeah, the project was out. D four was just like nostalgia for me, man. <laughs> Because <laughs> you got Future and Young Thug on there, and Young Thug, it is, it's just man, it was that's a crazy song. Time flies. Uh, the, what other song did he had? Time flies. D four L and his losses. Losses. Losses yeah. is my sleeper song. I love that he had his dad on there. <laughs> love that he has dad in it, but his like, yeah, those three songs really were like. Like the core of this, I think, and then Tussie Slide too, Tussie Slide. Mm-hmm. Like I think Tussie Slide really kind of gave this, gave them the ammo. It's like, okay, let's drop this, because everybody yeah. knew about you know when to say when Chicago freestyle, but when Tussie Slide kind of Tussie Slide kind of blew up and TikTok got a hold of it in the dance or whatever, and kind of it made them number one again. It became more, you know, huge, and it wasn't wasn't supposed to be like that type of song. Drake even said it himself. He was like, man, that, that he had no intentions of it getting that big. Right, but when you're Drake and you you're dancing and it's quarantine, like yeah, the formula, <laughs> formula I'm like, I'm wondering, like Drake, how did you not think that was gonna blow up? Because <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the song, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the song because you know it's like I'm not a I, I like to dance, but I'm not like a dancey song type of dude. And Drake, yeah. yeah. So when he put this out, it's still a good song, but I just don't like feel like it's real authentic Drake and. I, obviously, he didn't think it was authentic Drake because he didn't know it was gonna get big like that. But this song kind of really like gave them the in it, like the ammo to be like, okay, let's put out something right before we put out the album to, to hold them off and then go number one again. He's number one again. Like this man really cannot do any wrong, relative. I don't see any other artist that's ever done this more, more, more snaps than the Beatles. Like, come mm-hmm. on, man. Come He's on. Like, I'm, going for, I'm going for everybody. <laughs> top he said top five. I know I said top five, but I'm top two. Like two on. and I got one. <laughs> oh. <Ermin Lee. laughs> Look up on man. Yeah, but 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 I, I mean and, 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 and next week we're gonna have a special guest on to, to kind of like rank our, our um you know top three favorite Drake projects and some more things um before you know in, in, in anticipation of his um next next album. But dealing like with some of like his mixtapes that he's had, you know, like if you're reading this, it's too late was a shocker. Like nobody saw that coming. Um, so far gone, more life. Like out of the out of like these mixtapes and, and including this one, like where do you think this one ranks? Like in kind of some of the mixtapes that he's had that have like you know really like caught us off guard. Ooh, um, mm, it has to be like number three. If you're yeah. reading this too late, was was crazy bonkers. Mm-hmm. That that moves ahead of some of his albums. Oh yeah, I have that in my top three. Just to give you a preview of what my top Uh-oh. three is going to look Uh-oh. like. <laughs> but I have Ar- that already already given us a snippet. Man, that just it was a surprise in that yeah. time. How like man in that time frame and when he dropped it, he dropped it perfectly, and it blew up. And he said it yeah. again. I did not think. It was gonna blow up that big. I was just putting out music. That's crazy. I'm gonna, <laughs> if I ever meet you, Drake, I'm just gonna the reflection, punch you. The reflection he has after he does this stuff is it's great. Like, I didn't think it was gonna be anything. Like it just blew up. <laughs> is that humility or you just like just said it just because, bro? Like your like your music <laughs> I don't understand it. Your music is great. How you not think it's gonna be like Man, I guess that's a, he one really, of the greatest ever to ever do it, ever do it. But this is probably like number three. If you're reading this to like, um, I don't. I think Westcom is a playlist. So I, I like more life. I think I like more life ahead of this because more life had mm-hmm. even more bangers and more like, um, fake love. Um, yeah. uh, song get with Kanye. Get oh, get it to. You need me to yeah. get it together. Oh, Madari, uh, Madiba Redeem. Um, yeah, Redeem. Yes. Yeah, some bangers. Glam. Ice melts. But this is like number three. Like, it has some good songs, but it, it didn't touch like its other projects. And just like right. we're ranking, I mean, so purposes. far gone is is high up there to me in terms of like his mixtapes. Oh yes, that's, that's I almost special. forgot. Just Atlanta, Vegas, successful. 
Oh Say my what's man. Real. Oh my god. So far gone. Oh god. Goodness. Yeah, so far it's so far gone. No, 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 no. It's still if you're reading this to like then so far gone. Yeah. Yeah. Of all time. Of yeah. all time. 10 bands, 50 bands, 100 bands. Come on, man. Even Good. if they talking about ghost writers, that whatever. That was like whatever. his peak, his peak confidence. Like he was like really getting just like peak confidence, Drake. Bro, we got running through the six with my woes. Woes. Nah, man. We got we got party next door in the loops. Like, man, we yeah. got too much. We got no telling. We, no telling. Then we got uh oh what's the last one of energy. the songs before? We got energy. Um, what's the other Big song though? That was a fire. It's a song before that one. Jungle. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, jungle. These days, I'm letting God handle all things above me. The things I can't change are the reason you love me. Listen, you can hear them calling my name. I'm all over the place. I can't sit in one place. I'm not ashamed at all. Still finding myself, let alone a soulmate. I'm just saying. Feel like we want in the same. Our relationship changed. That already never existed. <sighs> it's so many Instagram status things in that song alone. <laughs> so many Instagram captions, people put. <laughs> Man, that was that 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 entire project, man. It was it was crazy, and it flowed well. Star sixty seven, yeah. Man, yeah. So far gone was great. That was like Drake coming into himself in a sense, mm-hmm. where you know a lot of people didn't know about Drake and you know passed up on Drake. We a- Akon passed up on him, Ti passed up on him, a bunch of people passed yeah. up on him, and we really didn't know Drake to his true form. It was he was just. Starting to get to his sound of music. <clears throat> and at this time, I think he was still trying to do pander to everybody. He still does that, but in more a precise manner. But when if you're reading this too late, he really gave us some oh, yeah. gems, man. I don't skip Definitely. a song, Wellington. That's I the one I cannot skip. Skip a song. Yeah. Even with it. Oh, uh, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Oh, oh yeah, I'm gone. Oh, six yeah. men like Lou Will. <laughs> oh, Drake, you mastermind you. You're crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> well, no, man, yeah, I rate this probably like number three or number four. Probably number four. Yeah. Probably number four. Because I, I, I think more life is like a. It's not a playlist. It's a mixtape in my in my eyes. So it's probably this is probably number four. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, transitioning to our last last part, uh, um, topic with uh, Georgia Smith's uh, "Lost and Found," and you know, in her R and B debut album, you know, she brings together um, uh, just soul, jazz, uh, dance hall, and it, it covers her, you know her discovery and quest to discover um, I mean, her, her 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 discovery to just find out you know who she is and what her sound is and finding her place in society. Um, but it was also you know an extremely personal project and her seeking you know self knowledge while. Um, being patient and compassionate and um, a track that really stood out to me, you know, in, in February 3rd, where she's talking about a relationship that's in in trouble, but she's not ready to give up yet. Um, you know, she's just got the the perfect vocals and the song just has an, an, an infectious groove. And she says, um, so why don't you lose yourself for me? Why don't you lose yourself for me? Why don't you lose yourself for me? End quote. So why don't you lose yourself for me? Why don't you lose yourself? Another song that I thought was highlighting the thing she wanted to to bring to the forefront was the lifeboats freestyle, yeah. and you know it's essentially it, that, that was crazy. You know, it was a spoken word on you know income disparity, privilege, and um, the welfare the, the welfare state failures. And she says, "quote So why all the riches staying afloat? See all my brothers drowning, even though they're in the boat. Motherships ain't helping anyone. See the ships are getting bigger, full of greedy, wasteful men." So can kids with the lives before they even get to 10, end quote. All the riches staying afloat, seeing all my brothers drowning, even though they knit the boat. Mother ship ain't helping anyone. See, the ships are getting bigger, full of greed and wasteful men. So can kids with the lives before they even got to 10. Mm-hmm. Sailing the internet waves, a tsunami of wise. A flood to take us under if we can't afford that life jacket. And, and just like Lauren Hill on this track, she's seeking, you know, clarity in the world. And um, 
just finding how to release her pain. But but overall, like, what were your thoughts on the self assurance and independence um, she showed on this project, which you know really kind of makes her music sound timeless, uh, kind of in a way. It really took you down a path like where you kind of understood and you were in her shoes, but also gave you those vibes where it's like up tempo and you're it's lively you're thinking yeah this whole this whole album i know it was dropped in 2018 but this whole album made me think about life it made me reflect Mm -hmm. when i heard i know a lot of people said they heard lauren hill i heard slick rick because Mm -hmm. even the cadence the the sound the pitch it's remind me of slick rick because she really told she told a vivid story and slick is one of the best storytellers ever in hip-hop J. Cole was number yeah. two. And um, I yeah. grew up on Slick Rick. So when I heard uh, Lifeboat's freestyle, I was like, yo, she sounds like Slick Rick. And it was so subtle. Like it was, it made you feel like she was on beat. She was under the beat. She was hugging the beat. Like she really made it her own. Like like somebody yeah. played it behind her. That's that's what type of, of artist you have to be. The beat can't own you. You have to own the beat. Like figuratively. Exactly. But I love her. Song. <laughs> yeah. And she switched it up. Like a lot of women can, you know, a lot of women artists can rap and sing, but it's different with her. She has that, yeah. she has that unique sound that really makes you just sit yeah. down and just reflect about life. I really, I really enjoy this project. Really enjoy this project. Yeah. Lifeboat Freestyle on February the 3rd. Ooh. I was singing that like before we uh before we started the podcast. <laughs> Man, that song really like, you know. It really, it really spoke. It made me reflect on like past memories of love. Like that's what I want music to do to me. I wanted to make me feel. I wanted to take me yeah. down your journey. Where you want me to go? Lead me with. Is music. it? Yeah. Is it the? Ref- would you say like the reflection like that that she has in some of those things? Like just kind of like bringing back memories for even listeners that are just experiencing her project is kind of like one of the biggest strengths that that she has right now. I think so because I first yeah. heard about her from. Drake's uh, Get It Together. Um, mm-hmm. With that, I kind of understood where she was in life about love and about you know aspirations and her passions. And if you hear that in someone's music, that's true transparency. That's why we hear it in Drake's music. And yeah. her sound, and I always continue to say this because anybody can sing, anybody can rap, grab a microphone, but your sound makes you different and unique with this industry that's super saturated but when i listen to her i don't hear anybody like her i know people say I, they hear lauren hill and all that stuff but she has her own kind and of she style. doesn't even like comparisons like she just wants to be her own artist and it makes sense because like like you're saying like, it's hard to find like a comparison right she she has some like some pop not pop but she has some bangers in here too oh yeah like i like on your own and where where did mm-hmm. i go like I teenage go? fantasy was was nice too i like teenage fantasy but February third really had me like, oh God, won't you change for me? All in your feels, <laughs> all in my feels. Like it really made me reflect on like my past, like love life, man. And I love music like that. And her voice is just multibella, tutti frutti. It's really, it's really dope. She has a unique sound. Yeah, man. She's yeah, definitely. And and this project to, to, to me, it just seems you know light years ahead of where she's at, where she's at really in her career and and life because you know she sounded as though she's just been doing this for years, um, right. like a, like an artist that's just had headlining tours and award shows just already in her background and just she's just headed for more. But in terms of growth and what you like to hear from her, um, and more and just in in terms of like writing and performance abilities because. It seems as though like that may be the one thing that's not the same level yet, because obviously she you know she's twenty two and uh, her her writing still has has a lot lot of room to grow. And to me, there's just not a really um not really a disappointing track on here. Right. But the the question of what can elevate her to even more international superstardom, uh, what's kind of the next thing you're looking for her to build on and expand? Um, as she's an artist that you know, as we kind of both think, we're going to be hearing for a long time. I think she she she, she oh, wow. I think she should continue to like hone her writing ability when it comes to like the spoken word, just like uh, yeah. lifeboat freestyle. Give us a little more of that, because that'll mm-hmm. that'll grant people. Because there's a lot of people who are love spoken word, who love poetry, who love that type of spillatry type thing. If you add yeah. that, because she's from the UK, anyways, you know. Mm-hmm. Going back, you know, back, she talks about that in this album. I mean, in this album as well. But just continue to give us that side of you, and continue to be transparent. 
I know a lot of artists, it's, it's super it's super hard to kind of go from one album to the next and keep that momentum and have good quality of music. It's two yeah. artists that I, that I know for sure did that and cannot do it. Bryson Tiller didn't do it. Summer yeah. Walker didn't do it. So at that point, when she gets there, I want her to continue to hone that transparency, continue yeah. to give us her, her sound, not commercial sound. Even if she has to do commercial, please make it you in it. Yeah, because at some point, an artist is going to have to do commercial, but right. still know how to navigate that. Right, but just be you. Because Drake does yeah. commercial music, but we still get Drake. It's still his sound. With Summer Walker from... One project to the next, the project she just dropped with uh, London on the track, wasn't her. It was not her. That was. <laughs> it wasn't her. Bryson Tiller, I don't know what he did to true to self from, from um, big guy for uh, <laughs> technology, guys, because it was back in the day. We were a bit out of luck. <laughs> we would be waiting for like five minutes. <laughs> What's right. that project again? <laughs> from, from Trap Soul to uh, the true to self, I knew the second album. He dropped that mm-hmm. in two years span. And it did not work well. He hasn't dropped an album since he's been dropping singles and he has been featuring on songs a lot, but he hasn't dropped another album until he gets it right. And he said, I'll get it right. Um, I won't let y'all down this time because True to Self was not it. It yeah. was not it. It wasn't him. But yeah, just continue to do that. I mean, she has a, a unique sound and she's she's on her way. I mean, you, you're on Drake and you end up on the uh, black if you've got Drake's podcast. attention that early in your career, I mean, you're headed for something special. And Kendrick Lamar is on his uh, the Black Panther soundtrack. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, she 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 she, she definitely has a special um, unique talent. Well, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host, Winston Burns, one of my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you next week.